0: there's some realities that i think we can all agree on and that was that our industry had challenges before the pandemic we had challenges with affordability we have challenges with accessibility you know we have challenges with our business model and that's been under tremendous pressure for for the last 10 years way before the pandemic the pandemic served as an accelerator i hope the sunglasses came off and that we're going to see things uh, you know in a different way and perhaps with a little bit more clarity and and really and maybe this is it howard that there are more options on the table than we previously believed there are more avenues to
1: be explored As we turn our energy to 2021, we can begin to catch a glimpse of getting on the other side of this crisis. Independent school leaders have implemented innovations over the last nine months that they could only dream about prior to the pandemic. The question now is, can they sustain these changes with intentionality? Jeff Shields, CEO of the National Business Officers Association, and Howard Teibel explore these questions in anticipation of the upcoming February all-virtual NBOA annual meeting. The opportunity in this year is to prepare ourselves with the right state of mind, resiliency, ambition for change, and living our vision. Join Howard at the NBOA Annual Conference for a goldmine session on being a leader without being an expert, February 22nd, and for a deep dive session around building a culture that can innovate from the bottom up, February 23rd. You can learn more about the conference and register at nboaannualmeeting.org. Whether your challenges are financial, structural, or simply the need to build strong teams— Tybel Education can work with your people to move to the next level of excellence. Check out our work with independent schools today. And now, Howard Tybel and Jeff Shields.
2: Thank you, Pete and Jeff. You and I have a long history of uh, being colleagues and working together from your previous
0: career, and now you're longstanding. How long have you been the CEO and leader of NBOA? Well, that's great U.S. asked. I just celebrated 10 years Oh my! Goodness. with NBOA, and really exciting. It's flown by. I know people say that, and it sounds so cliche, but when you love what you do, you love who you do it for, and you love who you do it with, um, Time goes by, and, and I've, I wish that career for my daughter, that type of career for my daughter, that she finds that, but I've been lucky enough uh, to find it here at MBOA. and I, I feel very fortunate.
2: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, the reason I, I really appreciate working with you is that I've worked with lots of executive directors of associations, and the thing that stands out for me about you for that I've seen from the beginning is the care that you bring oh. to other human beings. Right, uh, I There's, appreciate there, that you have a you you have a a need to move forward, and the world has been upended since COVID. But what's really exciting is that you were coming up on it in a year ago. I remember being in Florida with you uh, at the last NBOA annual meeting. But coming up here on February twenty second through twenty fourth uh, is the next annual meeting that is going to be happening virtually, and this is an opportunity for us to just dig in a little bit. Give some preview for folks about what's coming, and and I you know let you share a little bit about you know what you see in front of you. So talk to us about what we have in front of us.
0: We have an all virtual experience in front of us uh, for this year's annual meeting, and I think that's really interesting because uh, that you brought up Orlando, because for so many of our members and for so many people, obviously I engage with on a regular basis, they remember that meeting as the last time they were on a plane, last time they traveled, last time they were in a a ballroom with other people. Um, Isn't that interesting to think that we were together as a community two weeks before all our our lives changed and we had no idea what was about to happen? And so I'm really grateful for that in a lot of ways because um, MBOA at its core is a community Uh, That's what attracted me to MBOA. That's why I love what I do. And so I think in some ways, it's perfectly fitting that we were the last community experience that that folks had uh, before the world changed. But because the world's changed we are planning for an all virtual experience, innovation, state of mind. And like every organization, and certainly uh, exactly like our schools, we are pivoting. Are there there any words off limits in this discussion? Can I say unprecedented? Can I say never before? Uh, All the overused expressions, right? Yeah, they're all they're all fair game. Okay, well, we have pivoted to really providing a community experience because the annual meeting is really a showcase of what MBOA is, but providing a community experience uh, in, in in entirely virtual. Uh, folks will recognize a lot of the experiences from previous MBOA annual meetings, opening and closing keynotes, six learning tracks. We even figured out a way to do wellness and philanthropy in a virtual environment. Uh, of course, we'll have industry experts like yourself there, uh, showcasing MBOA's values. So that's all going to feel very much the same. But of course, things are going to be different in a virtual environment. And so what we're trying to do, and by the way, this is not a series of Zoom calls over three days. It's right. Everyone's had enough Zoom calls in their lives. This is a, a platform that's unique in delivering uh, learning for conferences such as the MBOA annual meeting. But we're going to lean into the virtual aspects of it. Yeah. And so when people see your fantastic deep dive, building a culture that can innovate from the bottom up on Tuesday, February 23rd at 1.30, and everyone's talking about it, guess what? We're in a virtual environment. They won't have missed it. So if everyone's talking about Howard's program, yeah, they can watch it the next day. They can watch it later that week. Yeah, They can experience it again. So we're really trying to lean into the things that a virtual environment allows us to do and not focus on what we're limited from doing.
2: Let me tell you something. I think also the timing of... The reflection of the last meeting being on a plane mm-hmm. uh, to do something professionally together mm-hmm. and 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 the mood people I, I people have a nostalgia. I talked to somebody else today about it, and they said, "Oh, I remember that you could mm-hmm. tell how much they miss that right yeah, there's
0: a longing for it,
2: but here's what's interesting, Jeff. I just did a an event, and every time I've been doing these events and doing these word clouds about people's moods the The dominant mood has been anxiety around uncertainty and overwhelm. So I just did it to last week. The, do you know what the dominant mood was? What's that? Hopeful. P, you know, since the anticipation of the vaccine, mm-hmm. I think the shift in the presidency. At least we know what's going to happen now, mm-hmm. right? Right. I think people are in a different mood coming into your annual meeting mid-year we did all these because we had to yeah now people can see the lay at the end of the tunnel and i think there's a renewed energy yep that people are going to bring to this okay we can let's use this time to really start looking at this period that's coming where we're going to be able to get into not just back to the old way of doing things but really integrate being together as human beings
0: Absolutely. And what I also think is fascinating is that we picked the theme of innovation when we thought we were going to be in New York City for this meeting. Mm. So and we decided to stay with the theme because it was so important. The innovation that we'll be talking about, people have lived. It's part of their experience now. And and one of the silver linings of this this really challenging, terrible, daunting time that I, I like to think is going to be the, the the most difficult time we've experienced in our professional careers is that, and you know this, you work in higher ed, you work with independent schools. We were so much resilient than we previously believed we were. We had so much more capacity for change and to reinvent and to reimagine how we deliver our mission. and And we never gave ourselves credit for that. And I'm sure you saw that. Time and time again, where people would say, we can't do it that way, or we can't do it differently, or or the faculty will never do that. And yet, when push came to shove, and when it came to delivering our mission and serving our students and families... I'm so proud of this community, especially business officers, Uh, but everyone, the faculty, the trustees, everyone who came together to get the job done. And that's what they did. And they performed in ways that, that is a reason to celebrate. So, you know, not only are we going to be talking about the innovation we've lived and the innovation we still need to move into and lean into for the future, uh, but we have a lot to celebrate getting through this year. And, and and guess what? We'll be together a year from now and it will be epic. So, so we have a lot to look forward to. I really like that hopeful tone uh, that you mentioned. Being
2: appreciative and grateful of what we were able to do, we were able to do in nine months, which was something that we didn't think we'd, we'd do in five years. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's in front of us is how do we preserve that energy mm-hmm based on choice, not based on because we have to.
0: That's what I'm most looking forward to because the way I see it, Howard, is that we've developed that muscle, we've we've used that muscle, and we know we have it. Imagine what our opportunity is when we can be planful and thoughtful and resourceful, but not in crisis mode. And I think... I think there's endless possibilities there. I think the other thing I can't uh, back off from is the fact that think about how many of our faculty now have direct experience with teaching in an online learning environment. Yes, I mean, we went from, I, I don't even know what the fraction is. There's other people that would probably have, have an, a better estimate. But even if I said 10% of our faculty had experience, what's that number today? 90%, 95%? And what are we going to do with that? That new knowledge, that new capacity um, to deliver education, when we can marry it or partner with the the live face to face classroom experience, which we we all desire to get back to. Um, so, I, I just think that's I just think that's really exciting. Um, you know, I've you know, I I, I always like change. I always like different. I'm very attracted to that, and um, I just think I just think this was uh, this was it didn't come without sacrifice. I don't want to gloss over the, the monumental task that heads of schools and faculty and folks and what we had to go through, the PPP loan, emptying our, empty our physical plants, the uncertainty, uh, families and students stressed out, I'm sure, beyond belief. So I don't want to gloss over that it, it didn't come without some pain, but, but there are uh, we have new assets that we can leverage for the future.
2: One of the books I'm reading now is by uh, Michael Eric Dyson. And I watched one of his videos. He's writing on uh, race in America. And he said he chooses to be a prisoner of hope versus a prisoner of fear. Absolutely. And that's great. You know, and that's also something I hear from you. It's like you, it's it's not just silver lining. It's like, all right, this is the opportunity to, to, take where we are to the next level. The interesting thing now is as we talk about moving forward, getting our teams and, and faculty, you caught co- you commented about faculty taking that step because mm-hmm. they had to. Mm-hmm. And now there's an opportunity for them and those that choose, right? Leadership can mandate, but you you know you 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 can't force people to want to excel in something. They can do it because they're forced to. But I think to your point, Jeff, now we have an opportunity for leaders, for business mm-hmm. officers, for heads of schools to say, we have seen we can do this. Mm-hmm. Let's now double down. The pandemic in a certain way was a dry run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for what we we now now need to turn into a uh, a systemic way of working and and not to just go back cuz i'll tell you there's the i talk with folks and you can feel there's an inertia
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is both that looking forward to being able to get out of being isolated like this but the risk jeff is that is that the cultures fall back into the way we've always done things. So it's not going to happen unless our leaders look forward versus looking back.
0: I agree with that. And I think uh, all I can say is what a missed opportunity to not think about that. And I, I hope when we go back and, you know, I think we're probably still a little bit too close to it to really have a great, accurate assessment of it. But when we go back, what are the other things that we said were impossible? Mm. I mean, they probably, uh, they're probably dwarfed by comparison to what we've we've just set up, right? The the way we've organized our classrooms differently, uh, put in testing programs and protocols. Um, I mean, it's just the the number of things, the online learning, which I've already mentioned, the number of things that we've done in this compressed period of time, I I can't imagine what other changes we've uh, discussed that we've needed to implement that we've dismissed as being too difficult or not achievable that we can now go back to and say, Say, uh let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, and and in service, it's always been, and this is what I think is the best part. It's always been in service to our mission. It's always been with students, family, and I'll add faculty and administrators to uh, health and safety first, but, but really making sure we could deliver that mission. It wasn't perfect. Every school didn't do it perfectly, but I think our community has a lot to be proud of. And I think other other uh, uh, families noticed. One thing I'll share with you, Howard, that's, I think, an interesting data point is that families that we knew were out there that had the means to send their uh, students, send their sons and daughters for uh, an independent school education, just chose not to, really saw what was happening and seen the pivot that private schools were making. And they said, well, if they're going to do, if they're going to make it work, I believe in their processes. I think they'll deliver this online learning better than even my well-funded uh, public school district. And I'm going to give them a chance now. So that that's also opened up for our schools. So how do we retain those families um, now that we've now that we've uh, attracted them in in this crisis that we've we've all had to get through?
2: Right, because the differentiation you don't you don't get as an observer. You get by experiencing it, and so many more have experienced it at this point. Let's talk a little bit about your, your two keynotes. You yes. Can, uh, Duncan Wardle
0: and Sid Marshall. Uh, yes. Tell us about them. Well, Duncan Wardle, uh, his uh, claim to fame is as an innovator for uh, International Walt Disney World Company. So um, he's really been up close and personal. I had the privilege uh, to interview him for our Net Assets magazine. And he's a fast talker. He's got lots of ideas. Faster than you? Uh, he speaks faster than me. I had to keep up with him. It was hard, Howard. You're, su- you're such a great interviewer. And so I, I was on the other side, right? So I was trying to interview him. And it was hard to get a question in. Uh, but, but it was worth it because he's got so much energy and so much excitement. And I'll just tell you one key takeaway as a tease, which is really interesting to me is that he says, if your organization sets up a group to consider, how can we innovate? Um, and, and how can we do things differently and how can we create change? He said, you're, you're missing the boat because that way no one else has responsibility for innovation in the organization because as he had the job the innovative the innovator guy will do it So what he had to do, Howard, and I think this really marries to um, the topic you're talking about, he had to infuse the organization department by department with innovation so it came into the organization from every area, not just from him and what he was trying to do in his leadership role. So I thought that was a really uh, key takeaway that he shared in the interview.
2: That's That's a beautiful idea as I think about it uh because especially for institutions or schools that don't have a dedicated person there's a there's a this idea that we have to have a dedicated person or area that's going to do that work and what his message it sounds like is no you need to build that competency and focus across. Yes, you need somebody who has the competency to think about that, but it's not about that it lives over here. Correct. It lives in every one of our
0: departments. And Innovation has us? to be part of, innovation has to be something we all think about. People are going to love all- that message. That's yeah. A- he, and he really knows how to deliver a keynote in a virtual environment. We've seen him once before. Um, and so he really knows how to adapt to a virtual environment. So that's going to be really exciting. And then I'm going to interview uh, Sint Marshall, who's the CEO of Dallas uh, Dallas Mavericks uh Dallas Mavericks. She is going to be the closing keynote and I'm going to interview her as part of the QA. So I'll, we'll be taking questions uh from the audience and we'll be I'll be talking to her directly. Um and she just really has a great story of how she came into that role, very unique, uh black woman CEO of uh an NBA uh basketball team. So that's really she has an interesting story to tell. But I'll tell you, I think which what's really going to be compelling for our business officers and especially our HR professionals is really her people management strategy and and how she views her CEO leadership role uh, and how she leads uh, the many, many uh, individuals that she uh, manages in a very complex uh, organization like a professional sports team. So uh, really, really interesting and exciting keynotes as we always try to deliver. You know, what
2: I like about the keynotes that you've done over the years is that they they tie, but it's not just direct. It's like you can draw from other industries. Right. And that's what I've seen you and NBOA do consistently over the years, is but but they're not so far off that you can't make the connections to your own work.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we want our keynote sessions to help people just think differently about their world and, yes. their, and their work. And then, then there are other sessions throughout the meeting which will help them do differently, right? So think differently and do differently. So they go back uh, from this virtual experience. They leave their computer from this virtual experience uh, with a whole toolkit of ideas uh, that they can think about how to implement. But you're right, Howard. I, I'm not, I, I don't need an accountant to be our opening keynote, and uh, you know, a tax professional be our closing keynote. There's nothing wrong with that. They're very valuable people to every organization. But I think it's good. I, you know, I think our job is to lift the profession up, right, and and kind of help it grow and help it expand. And I think um, provocative keynotes help do that. So, um, but at the end of the day. There'll be plenty of ways for uh, people to get information on accounting, finance, tax, HR, the bread and butter. That's the real exciting stuff. <laughs> well, it's important stuff. I'm important teasing. Stuff. I'm I know. Teasing. You I know, my know.
2: my uh, you know, my focus, as you know, is gonna be on this question of leadership and 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 leadership in a certain way. So I'm gonna get personal with you now, Jeff, if I can. Okay. You've been doing this 10 years. How has your leadership
0: changed? Um oh, I think it's changing. I think it's changing all the time. I think I'm, I mean, Howard, we've worked together for so long, so you've probably' you, you, probably a better question to ask you, but what I think I have done, I think my filter's better. Mm. I think my filter's a lot better. I think I uh, know how to stay at the right altitude better. Um, I definitely know how not to sweat the small stuff better. Uh, I definitely, I think I'm able, I have always been pretty good at hiring talented people. Um, I think I'm even better at it and I think I'm better at, um, keeping talented people, smart people surrounding myself with them and giving them challenging, interesting work, um, that makes them want to stay. Um, and, and so, um,
2: Jeff, I I, got to say, that's not trivial. I can't (laughs) tell you the number of people that don't know how to hire. Hiring is an art and a science. Mm. The art part is what you're talking about. You know, people don't leave their jobs. They leave their boss. That's true. And And, and I've had some leave. (laughs) Yeah, but sometimes people have to leave because they're up to something different. Yeah. But, you know, my sense about you, and I think this is an important thing for for any listeners uh, to be reflecting on is uh, the nature of what I I do see that you do well is that you value other human beings. Mm. Um, you're, you're also, you don't abdicate your leadership, right? So one extreme is you give over control to everybody. and You got no point of view. The other extreme is you're dominating and nobody has a voice. And I see that maybe what you're saying, too, is that you're getting better and this is actually a speculation, you're getting better at listening. You're getting better at at actually slowing down. Uh, it Like when you say don't sweat the small stuff, it reminds me as I'm getting older that, and I'm going to swear for a sec, I, I give a shit less about the small stuff, right? There's a like we can, our lives are now an opportunity to give back as we get older, I think. And, as we recognize that, and we can sort of embrace that, yeah, I think the opportunity is to show others that in in a certain way, to give up even more control. And that's one of the issues for me, is learning how to give up a certain kind of control.
0: I, I think that's right. And, and maybe the, the, the better way to say it is uh, having, I have more perspective and perspective comes from experience and experience provides wisdom. And someone told me, and I can't remember the two best pieces of advice I ever got was one is find a profession where um, the more experience you have, the more wisdom you, you accrue, the more value you bring. So longevity, and I am in a career, um, and education values longevity. So I'm in a career where longevity is valued because the longer I'm in this role, the better I am at it. And that that allows me to add more value to the organization in a variety of ways. I build more capital. Um, and then the second one, and it's someone we both know, John Walda who was the uh, present CEO at Nakubo before I left for this job, he said, remember, Jeff, I'll never forget this advice. It's all about relationships. And, and it was so simple and I haven't forgotten it. And, and I invest a lot of time and effort in my relationship with the board. I think business officers and heads of schools do too. I think that's what makes it work. And I invest a lot of time and effort in, in the staff. Um, and then of course, um, the members are always at the center of everything I think do uh, act upon. So I, I think, I think I've had some good advice along the way, and uh, and you listened. <laughs> well, I took it to battle, heart. Right? You took well, it to heart. I took it to heart because I saw, I saw people do that. I saw what John did at the yes. Kubo through building really strong relationships, and I valued that. Um, and so, yeah, I saw, I saw the difference it made. So, yeah.
2: Well, what's your uh, perspective of your confidence of what is going to play out over the next one to three years. Because clearly, I think we can see that that the pandemic, and we all knew this, but at some point it's going to be a story we're going to be talking about. And we'll, we'll, we may have to live with COVID, but it will be a very different thing down the road. When you look at how this is shaking things up, what do you think is the greatest opportunity besides some of the, you know, we can do it? Is there anything else that you see for the industry that you oversee?
0: Well, there there's some realities that I think we could all agree on. And that was that our industry had challenges before the pandemic. We had challenges with affordability, we have challenges with accessibility. You know, we have challenges with our business model. And that's been under tremendous pressure for for the last 10 years, way before the pandemic. The pandemic served as an accelerant. So it, it really it really exposed it. The weaknesses. And I'll even say there were some um, internal processes at MBOA that the pandemic exposed that we had to work on because, like our schools, we never imagined we wouldn't be doing our work together in the same space. For an extended period of time, and we, we thought about, you know, a hurricane or an earthquake or even a terrorist attack, but not months and months and months being separated. So I I think that that there are going to be schools, um, sc- schools that were hurting before the pandemic are probably hurting a lot more. Um, I think schools that were thriving before the pandemic are probably going to be just fine after the pandemic. I really think it's about those schools in the middle and the choices they make based on the pandemic and I do um, and so that's where the that's where hope springs eternal. I hope they come out of the pandemics uh, with a broader uh, view of of how they can deliver, what they do um, in different ways that might either help with enrollment, lower uh, or help make uh, tuition more affordable to more families, uh, help improve the uh, effectiveness of the their delivery or efficiency of the delivery of their education. I hope they've learned those lessons. Perhaps um, partnering or merging with another school might seem more viable and more desirable um, than it perhaps did before. So I just hope the I hope the sunglasses came off and that we're going to see things, uh, you know, in a different way and perhaps with a little bit more clarity. And, and really, and maybe this is it, Howard, that there are more options on the table than we previously believed. There are more avenues to be explored. I think that that might be it. But, but I think that's what's happening.
2: And, you know, it's, it takes us right back to the annual meeting because I think the annual meeting is such an important coming together for, for people to not just share best practices, but fundamentally be in a relationship with each other. And I think this is the one thing that they're looking for that people are in many ways starving for is connection right and i think your annual meeting is a is a marking point for people at a at a really interesting time in february of 2021 to be able to say all right we got through that we're getting through that we there's still a lot of open questions but now let's 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 start looking forward together and i think that's that's the interesting time for when your your meeting is going to be bringing coming people bringing people together. So so how is it looking for enrollment for the. Conference.
0: Well, it's really exciting because one of the points you just made that I want to make sure everyone understands is that we've changed the model so that for one registration fee, which was really the same cost that a business officer would pay to attend the face-to-face annual meeting, now the entire school can participate for that same fee. So this is a really great year. We've really opened the funnel. So to your point, this is going to be community, community plus. So it's going to have the business officers, HR people, controllers, facilities, technology Technology folks all together, but now they can bring their heads of school, their trustees, their finance committee chair, and there's going to be special programming for all of them um, so that we really can come together and think about our future, innovate, and tackle some challenges together. So we're really trying to open up the funnel so that we can engage people who influence, impact, engage with the business, finance, and operations of the school, but may not have that direct oversight and responsibility, um, and, and have them be part of the dialogue, and have them participate with us, and at least at least experience and hear what business, finance, and operations uh, professionals experience and hear at an NBOA annual meeting. So we're really excited about that opportunity.
2: I've been saying all along that that kind of experimentation that you're about to do is critical. Yeah. Because they're going to go back and they have to deal with those folks so getting those folks in these conversations in this experience can be an invaluable kind of um, uh, like when they go back, they can say they can continue the conversation with their peers versus trying to bring these ideas that their peers didn't have any initial exposure to. Well, Jeff, I cannot wait to be part of this Uh And uh, I want to thank you again for your partnership with me, your continuing to bring me in to be a, a sort of contributor to this. It's a privilege always to work with you.
0: Well, well, I will tell you that, um, you will have a a virtual packed room, Howard, uh, as you always do. Uh, and we're so grateful to have your contribution, your insight, um, from higher ed, uh, and independent schools. And, And you help us be, you help us be more fearless about change. You help us really kind of take that, uh, trepidation, uh, about it. And you make us feel like we, we can do that. We can be invincible. So uh, I appreciate that you bring that into the room every time.
2: The mutual love fest is right here.
0: <laughs> it's too much. Too much. It's too much. Well, well thank it's great you talking very much. to you. You too. Thank well, you so much, Howard. Take care.